What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. You meet such interesting people on a gas station graveyard shift. I mean, generally you don't. It's a half-truth. But there's definitely a higher proportion of weirder scary fuckers than a normal retail shift. But after a couple of months on the job, you learn all the archetypes. The dead tired norms on their way home. The herds of teenagers on a candy binge. The meth heads who waste their entire month of food stamps on junk. The wine moms. The 24-hour gym rats. The alcoholics on bikes because of their DUI who panhandle two bucks for malt liquor. It doesn't take long to see it all. And I've been here for years. Long enough to see what I call interesting. Even when your threshold for abnormal is off the chart, you still end up with stories of the inexplicable or unnerving. I'll start with the latter. One autumn night, a man and a boy of about nine came in around 3 a.m. I yell a half-hearted greeting and barely glance towards them before back to my phone. The boy makes a slow, cautious walk towards the candy aisle while the dad makes a beeline to the beer coolers. I can tell by his body language he's somewhere on the scale between unfriendly and angry with his shoulders forward and brisk, stumpy steps. I sigh, anticipating an argument I've had many times. Last call was at two. I can't tell you that. He glances back at me and moves wordlessly down the wall, selects a tee, and heads to the counter. The way he walks gives me the impression he's going to punch me. I ready myself and try to disarm him with a monotone, How are you doing? He hard stares me for an uncomfortable few seconds and says, Pack of Marlboro Reds. Relieved he didn't start whining or bargaining about his beer, I turn back to him and grab the cigarettes and jump with a start at a yell of, Jack, fucking hurry up, man. I turn back and look past him to see his son at the candy aisle, thousand yard stare, not really trying to make a selection. The first real look I've had of him tells me the tears he's fighting wouldn't be his first of the day. I ring in the smokes and tea and say nothing, hoping it will resolve itself. Dealing with the shit I see on a normal night, I've learned not to meddle. To no avail this time, as he tosses a grimy $10 bill for his incomplete purchase, and not 20 seconds after the first time, yells, Jesus fucking Christ, come on! That's enough to stop my interest in customer service. Graveyard is an interesting dynamic. Obviously, we're supposed to have the smiley welcoming personality that all clerks are expected to have. But also, I'm here alone and also need to give off an air of security. Cross certain lines and I stop being friendly. I say, 
Hey, relax. In a low tone, he turns back to me with the same intensity with which he yelled and answered, What was that? He can take two fucking minutes to pick the candy bar he wants. You're invalidating any points you'd score for buying him one by being a dick. You can shut the fuck up too! I tell him, We're done here. Grabs his purchases out of his reach and pushes money back towards him. As I do, I notice the bill has blood on it. Then I notice his knuckles on his right hand are bleeding. Old Kate blood still oozing. Now I'm sure this could get physical. I'm a solid 3 inches and probably 40 pounds larger than him. But who knows what crazy has in his pockets. Our brilliant company policy doesn't allow weapons. But I keep deterrence conveniently placed in reach. I position myself to grab the pry bar and tell him. I bet your boy would like to leave now. He can keep the candy. He gives me the same long unsettling stare and replies calmly, I'll be right back. I didn't stick around to see what he had in mind. I ran and locked myself in the back office and dialed 911. I felt a little stupid describing a run-in with a guy who may just be an asshole, but I watched on the camera as he rummaged in the back seat. I described the car to the operator, and she asked, Did he have a little boy with him? Before I was even off the call with her, I began to hear sirens. A lot of them. It took a few days and a few conversations with the police before I had the whole story. The response had been to an Amber Alert. Jack Sr. had lost visitation rights to see his son at the boy's request. Not content with a simple kidnap, his ex-wife was found unrecognizably mutilated with a claw hammer. The wounds on his hand were splinters from her skull. This happened six hours away from my store, and that was the first place they stopped. I try not to dwell on what might have happened if Jack had picked a chocolate in a timely manner. A couple of years ago, one of my closest friends relocated across country with his long-term girlfriend to work a job he couldn't refuse. The only issue he had was that he didn't want to fly his dogs out when they made the move, since they would be staying in a hotel for the first month. He was also a bit reticent to fly them out due to health concerns for both pets. By the time he located a home to rent, he was already missing his furry buddies and made the request of his sister, another close friend, and myself to drive them to him in LA. Now, we are in Chicago, folks, so the trip would be a long one. However, with the three of us to foot a near 30-hour drive, it would be a piece of cake. We left early and drove long hours. Along the way, it was decided between my friend and I that we would foot the majority of the drive ourselves, and if we needed to, we would let our friend's sister do some driving. We were on a bit of a time crunch due to a snafu with the rent agreement, so we didn't have the luxury to stop every so often, aside from an 8-hour stay at a Denver La Quinta Inn. As for the journey itself, it was relatively smooth, bearing being pulled over right before entering Utah for driving 2 miles in the left lane of an empty highway. <laughs> whoops. From that point we made it through Utah, Arizona, and Nevada without much trouble until we entered California in need of gas. 
I had been driving for the majority of the first day, and I tagged my buddy in after being pulled over. I remained in the shotgun seat as navigator, searching through the GPS for a fuel stop. We kept our eyes peeled for road signs and finally discovered a sign that pointed to a Yarmo ghost town, or something along those lines, which had a mobile station. How wonderful. It was convenient too, as it was located almost directly off of the interstate. We rolled in on a little more than fumes when we approached the pumps. Normally, we would let the dogs out at every rest stop, but having stopped not long before then, and with both dogs sleeping in the back, I decided to pump gas without anyone else leaving the vehicle. My buddy pulls up on the opposite side of a beat-up green sedan, with a short, plump gentleman who just turned in to approach the shop. I noticed a few other hoopties at the pumps, all unoccupied, and there were a couple of other cars parked near the station, most likely belonging to the employees, so nothing seemed out of the ordinary. That is until I swiped my credit card. The pump rejected my first swipe attempt, which I chalked up to a misread. I swiped it again, and the pump reads out, Please see attendant. I was annoyed, but we needed gas. I tapped on the window and told my buddy what I was doing, and I asked if anyone needed anything. I walked up to the store and made a mental note of how strange this gas station was. Kind of quiet, especially for one right off the interstate. But that's no matter. As I walked in though, more weirdness. First thing I noticed was that there were some boxes of chips left on the floor, like someone was stocking shelves and just quit. I noticed immediately that there was no one milling about in this place. With the six cars besides my own out there, I felt like I would see someone. Things got even weirder when I realized that there was no one behind the counter. No customers or workers. Then it dawned on me. What happened to the gentleman who was at the gas pump adjacent to mine? Surely they can't all be in the bathroom. This is where I began to feel a growing sensation in my stomach. Something isn't right. I have always been a person who felt like I could trust my instincts, and those instincts were screaming at me to just get the hell out. I want to run, but I hold back. I will look suspicious booking it out of a gas station that was empty, and I decided to just play it cool, natural, and not letting my body language let on how bad I was freaking out in my head. I was probably inside of this gas station for only a couple of minutes when I left but I stopped just before exiting to listen for something. Anything. A flushing toilet would have been a good sound to hear, but there was nothing. As I exited the shop and see my car, I began to feel dread. It's like that moment in a movie where the hero is about to make it to the end of their trial, but the celebrity fanfare disappears, and in that silence, something comes and strikes them down. I'm about 25 yards away from the car, when I see this man come out from around the side of the shop that was opposite to me, this is not the same man I saw when I was at the gas pump. He was larger and had a peculiar look on his face. The best way I can describe it, it was like Nick Cage's smile from face off. I continued walking toward my car, but when I turned back to look at him, he was now walking towards me with a purpose. At this point, I noped my way back to the car with increased urgency in my step. And of course, my friend has the door to the car locked, like a complete douche clown. There is also a 95-pound golden Labrador in my seat. 
Apparently my travel companions did not notice how freaked out I was, or the creepy man still walking in my direction. I punched the window and told them to unlock the fucking door, to which he only half rolls down the window to tell me the dog was in my seat and they were afraid she would jump out when I opened the door. I reached my hand in and threw the dog towards the back seat as hard as I could, while my friend is just now realizing how freaked out I am. He started the car and drove off quickly. I took one last look back and I see Nick Cage had stopped about a pump away from where we were, still with that same look on his face. We found another gas station further down the road, this time with a ton of people inside and out. After thoroughly creeping out my friends with the story while I pumped gas, we made our way back to the interstate, which meant passing that gas station again. It's been about 15 minutes since we pulled out initially, and we all go silent when we notice those exact same cars sitting in the exact same spots when we had left them. After being freaked out for a few miles, I receive a phone call from my credit card company telling me about a $100 charge at a mobile station. The lady on the phone was very helpful in fixing the issue for me and was entirely creeped out by the situation as we were. In the end, we made it to LA and had a great vacation, but it still bothers me as to what the hell was going on at that gas station off the highway and what the hell was that smiling man's story. Alright, let me just try to recall this as best as I can. It happened a while back, and I try not to think about it more than I have to. For starters, I used to work in a gas station, but the title made that obvious enough, I guess. It wasn't a place in the middle of the city, but it wasn't way out in the countryside either. It was one of those awkward in-between areas, where mostly it's just low-end houses fast food joints, and gas stations like the one that hired me. The station was on a two-lane road that wasn't far from a major highway, and we got a lot of people stopping in for gas who are either on their way to the beach for the weekend or just passing through on their way to the cities around us. Typical of any gas station like the one I worked at, if I do say so myself. But you see, that was during normal hours, once the sun went down, oh, that was when the fun really started. That was when all the freaks showed up. Late at night, all the shadier customers would show their repulsive faces. Trunks would stumble through the doors and keep on going right for the back wall where we kept all the alcohol. Teenagers would slink in, trying to buy cigarettes. I'd ID all of them, and some of the cars they showed me looked fake. Some didn't. To be honest with you, I didn't really care. If they wanted to wreck their health, it was their business. Potheads would wander in too, and load up on chips and ice cream. Oh god, the ones who would buy ice cream were a funny bunch. More often than not, they'd ask for a spoon with their ice cream, and we only had the crappy plastic kind. I had one idiot stand there for 20 minutes trying to scoop the dessert into his mouth with one of those bendy spoons. One time, a guy shoplifted the store right in front of me around midnight. Then he walked outside, called the cops on himself, and just stood there in the parking lot waiting for them to show up. 
I had followed him outside and asked him what his deal was. He looked at me and said that he just wanted a place to sleep for the night. I had not expected that, but I told him that if he wanted to sell the story, then he should keep running. That he did. He walked off the property and down the small road. I heard sirens not long after. But I suppose I should tell you about the big one. The fucker who made me quit that job. I have a tendency to ramble. And like I said, I try not to think too much about this guy. It was another graveyard shift. Another night of my life spent behind some cheap wooden counter. I was pissing my life away. But I was doing it for some money. So it was all good. And I was better off than most of the people that walked through those doors anyway. It was 2.20am or so. I remember staring at the clock in boredom, watching the two dots of the display tick on and off as it counted the seconds. That was when I heard the bell over the door, and I looked up to gauge the person who had just stepped into my little world. He was only a little over 5 feet tall, and looked like he could be 50 years old easily. His skin was rough and saggy. His arms and legs were dotted all over with tiny white hairs matched by equally white hair which hung down in long reams from his head. It was scraggly and matted together. This guy looked like he'd spent two weeks without the good graces of any shampoo. He slowly walked his way over to the counter, mechanically, like each step was a deliberate action. Finally, he made it over to me and he dumped his hand into the counter for support. His hands were crisscrossed with varicose veins. They looked like cracks in broken glass. Lines of black grit ran underneath the edges of his fingernails. He finally opened his mouth to speak and gave me a good view of his slimy yellow teeth. Fucking disgusting. He asked in a croaky voice where our bathroom was and I just pointed sternly towards the back corner of the room. There was a little hallway which held doors to the storage rooms and one small bathroom. He lumbered off in that general direction, and I silently thanked God that weirdo was out of my face. I heard the door click shut. Once again, I was by myself, for the most part. The station was silent for five minutes, then ten, fifteen, and then it started to get weird how long this guy was taking in the bathroom. If this were a normal looking guy, I wouldn't have questioned it. But the man in there was anything but normal. At the 20 minute mark, I journeyed out from behind my counter and toward the bathroom. I knocked on the door a couple of times and asked if the guy needed any help. I heard him mumble from the other side that he was fine but he didn't sound all that fine to me. I wasn't about to argue with him though, so I just walked over to the counter and sat down in my chair. Another 10 minutes went by and that guy still hadn't came out the bathroom. I was getting agitated at that point. Eventually, I started hearing a noise. At first, I couldn't really tell what it was, but it didn't take long to figure it out. I was hearing moaning. I started walking back to the bathroom once again. This time, I could tell as I neared the door 
that something definitely wasn't right. It sounded like the man was in pain, maybe even afraid. Sheepishly, I knocked on the door once again, and for a while, I didn't get a response. But eventually, the man managed to choke out two simple words. Help me! His moaning was getting louder and turning to yelling. I started hearing banging coming from inside the bathroom. I could even feel it shake the floor just a little. I went for the knob, but of course, the guy had locked himself into the bathroom and hadn't gotten around to actually trying to unlock it. I was panicking a little. I didn't know if this was just a bad case of the runs or something like that, or if it was something more serious. I started to think that the latter was true. But there was a rancid stench that was beginning to make its way out of that damn bathroom. It could have just been some horrible diarrhea, I thought. I shuddered a little bit at that. I shouted at him to open the door. door. He had to unlock it if he wanted some help. But he wasn't listening to me. He had started babbling some incoherent nonsense about how he had to keep the door locked because he was only safe in that room. They were coming for him, he said. I kept shouting at him to unlock the door, but he was off on a horrible tangent about how they were coming for him and how they had finally figured him out. All the while, his slurred speech was punctuated by cries for help. He just kept shouting for help. I kept hearing banging. I was freaked out, and in that moment, I didn't figure out I had the time to call the cops or anything like that. The man's speech was trailing off, and he sounded like he was in a very bad way. I'd like to say that I didn't freak out, that I knew what to do, and handled the situation in a respectable way. But I did none of that. I spent the next five minutes pacing in that little hallway. My hands pressed to my head in desperation while I tried to think of something, anything to do. The man's yelling had stopped, and I was desperate to do something. Finally, I was struck with inspiration. I went into the storage room next to me and grabbed the rolling dolly that we used to move some of the heavier crates around. Then I rushed back into the hallway, and with all the force I could muster which must have been a lot thanks to adrenaline, I bashed a door wide open. The smell that hit me almost made me throw up right then and there. I dropped the rolling dolly and stumbled away from the room, gagging. I almost fell over, but I steadied myself on a wine shelf. I had to take a moment to catch myself, and it felt like I was going insane. It really struck me then that I needed outside help. So, I did what any sensible person would have done a while back. I called the police. I assumed the worst. And the moment I saw the man, it had looked like he was certainly dead. He was sprawled out on a tiled floor, half-heartedly resting against a wall. His back was slumped down, curving in the space between the wall and the floor. His knuckles were very bloody, and pockmarks in the wall which were also licked with blood, made it fairly obvious he'd been punching around. It was obvious enough where the smell was coming from. That bastard was sitting in a putrid film of brown liquid. Yes, he'd shit himself. He wasn't even on a toilet for Christ's sakes. 
fucking hell. I was still on a line with the police. I did my best to describe the scene to them. As much as I really didn't want to know what had happened to that guy in the bathroom, I figured he could still need help. I announced to the operator that I was going back in. I held out hope that he was still alive, but feared otherwise. I guess I really went back into that hallway just out of morbid curiosity more than anything else. I had to pull up my shirt and cover my face with it to keep the smell from overpowering me. It didn't do too much to help. The guy had a yellowish powder all around his nose and his mouth as well as a little froth at the corner of his lips. His eyes were bloodshot and glazed over. I said to the operator that it looked like he overdosed on some drug. I couldn't take it anymore. I had to go outside for some fresh air. I was groggy and mortified and depressed. A man had just died next to me. At the most, I was out there for five minutes. I could already hear sirens when I stepped into the cool night breeze. But here's the thing. Here's what really messed me up bad. When the police arrived, they asked me to show them where the incident occurred. An ambulance was there as well, and the paramedics were getting their equipment. I led them all to the back, and it still smelled horrible. There were still punch marks on the wall, and there was still some of that drug powder dusted around the floor. But the man who had been laying there was gone. He was fucking gone, like he hadn't even been there. I don't mean he was gone in the sense that he got up and left. There weren't any boot prints, no streaks of liquid on the floor, no handprints on the walls. There was none of that. It was like he just vanished. I can't explain it. I don't know what happened that night. I quit a few days later. I couldn't keep going back there. Not after all that. You know, the things that guy said keep replaying in my head. All those things about how they were coming for him. God help me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.